morning. So good to see everyone out today. A special welcome to the Ronnie Cootie, Jean, and their, their lovely family to join us today. Uh, I, I'm, I notice everyone's being so good about wearing the mask. Mine's down there on my purse, but I'll get it later, okay? And, and staying your safe distance with one another. Uh, Lasagna Mitchell is going to share a, a film strip with us this morning. So if you'll be patient and watch just a moment, she'll be right with you. La Laguna, Mexico. Right now, I want to read from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise and shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. Brother Jose had a program on the radio that we would listen to, so one day I sent him a letter. When he received it, he read it aloud on the radio and said that he was coming to visit us. We received him and he prayed with us, and we accepted the word of God. We have joyfully followed the Lord for many years now. I've been coming to the mountain for over 20 years. The Lord has brought me here through my radio program. The road to La Laguna is very dangerous. When I was two years old, I was diagnosed with polio. I was not able to walk until one day someone gave me a scooter and that is the way I get around. It is a great challenge that I have to take the gospel to them but for God nothing can stop us. The people here needed God. When Operation Christmas Child arrived it was a great blessing because the children had never received a gift. They were so happy when they received the gift and the word of God. They accepted Christ as their savior. It was such a blessing for them. I have three grandchildren and they all participated in the greatest journey. When they finished the 12 lessons, we gave them a certificate. They graduated and then we had a celebration. When the gospel arrived, it changed every family. The church dedication event was lovely. We never thought we would have this blessing. I've been praying a long time for a church here. 28 years ago, when I first heard the word of God, I never thought there would be a church here. Today, seeing this makes me feel so happy. It is a precious blessing for me because this is what we hoped for. To have a place to prepare children, young people, and adults 
to take the gospel to other places. God is doing big things in this village. This place will be a pioneer to take the gospel even further. Thank you, Zanya, for that. That was very encouraging. Uh, I wanted to just simply mention this morning the usual about our giving. We, you can go to cypressstreet.church/give. We have a, the box in that the rear of the sanctuary that you may contribute to. This uh, cypressstreet.church/give is affiliated with Clover Give, so we get that information through Clover, and I in turn. Uh, uh, put it to your name, whoever contributes, and then we add it to our regular offering. Also, I have an announcement that the youth would like for you to be aware on November the 8th. At the back of your, your bulletin this morning, you will see some information about six things to pack in your boxes. This is a program that they're going to be working on. If you don't want to box it yourself, they will be glad to, ba glad to box it. If you would like to purchase the items as well as contribute, contribute to the postage, either or would be wonderful. They would appreciate that. They will need that by November, November the 8th. Also, there is a sign-up sheet in the, north, in the North X for our upcoming business meeting, which will be October the 21st at 6.30. So be sure and sign that. Uh, the ushers can help you with that information if you're in doubt where it can be found. Also, there is a sign-in sheet for absentee voting in Priscilla's office. There's complete instructions there in the envelope, as well as a ballot where you won't have any problem of, of knowing what exactly to do so that that ballot will be counted in at our annual business meeting. Also, I, wanted, I came across something a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to share with you. I thought it was good enough that we could repeat it. And I would like for you to open your ears and your hearts and see if you can receive something from this. There was a blind girl who hated herself because she was blind and she hated everyone except her boyfriend who was always there for her. And she told her boyfriend, if I could just see, I would marry you. So one day, someone donated a pair of eyes to her. And when the bandages came off, she was able to see everything, including her boyfriend. And he asked her, now that you can see the world, would you marry me? And this, she was confused. She looked at her boyfriend and saw that his, he was blind. His eyes were closed. And they shocked her. She hadn't expected that. And thought of looking at them for the rest of her life led her to, to refuse his marriage proposal. Her boyfriend left in tears and days later wrote a note to her saying, Take good care of your eyes, my dear, because before they were yours, they were mine. This is how the human brain often works when our status changes. Only a very few remember what life was like before and who was always by their side in the most painful situations. Life is a gift. Today, before you say an unkind word, think of someone who can't even speak. Before you complain about the taste of your food, 
Think of someone who has nothing at all to eat. Before you complain about your husband or wife, think of someone who's crying out for a companion. Today, before you complain about life, think of someone who went to heaven too early. Before whining about the distance you drive, think of someone who walks the same distance with their feet. And when you're tired and complain about your job, think of the unemployed, the disabled, and those who wish they had your job. And when depressing thoughts seem to get you down, put on a smile. Put it on your face and think, you're alive and you're still around. I thought, you know, we need to be reminded of just how blessed we really are and quit whining and enjoy the life that we have, the gift of life that God has given us to utilize this day. I want to mention that uh, next Sunday, Carvin will be speaking with us. We're all looking forward to that, Carvin, very much. Uh, children, you may go back to your story with Miss Hannah at this time, if you would go on back. I would like to say a short prayer before we go on and sing this beautiful song, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's join together. Father, keep us mindful of all that we are blessed with and from whom it comes, make us always be grateful. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us. We know you're here because where two or three are gathered together, in your name's sake, you are there. Bless the service and be with Ronnie as he shares with us what you have put upon his heart. We ask in your precious name, amen. You will note there are a number of prayer requests listed in your bulletin. There were a few extras that we would like to remember. Allison Hightower, and John Crane isn't feeling well today, let's, so let's say a special prayer for John. And Annie Balsamo's family needs our prayers. They face uh, a tragedy within their family. There's so many needs around us. Uh, and if you have a prayer request, remember to contact Karen Oldham at 575-644-8667, and she'll immediately broadcast it so that we will all be aware and can join together in prayer. This morning, it's very good to be able to, to introduce Ronnie Cootie as our speaker. I remember the rascal when he was a youth in my class. <laughs> He's matured a few, uh, uh, through the years. <laughs> no, Ronnie was always good. But it's so good to have Ronnie and Jean in the voice with us this morning. And be sure to uplift him in prayer as he brings this message to us this morning. God bless Ronnie. hear me okay? Everybody can hear me good. It's nice to be here in spite of the viruses and all the whatever else uh, that people have made a, an effort to be out today. And it's been good to worship together a bit already and we'll do some more of that in a bit. 
Before I start, I'd like to go ahead and, and have a prayer. And Would you just uh, agree with me? Father God, we thank you for this day. It is a, a, a privilege to be here. We're grateful for this day. As Pat was sharing, when we are sometimes tempted to be ungrateful or complain. Um, let us remember all the, the good things you've given. And to those who are given, much, much is required. And we want to take those things and, and bless the others like we saw in this uh, story from Mexico. These little boxes of toys and gifts that light up the lives of these young children and how bright their eyes are full of hope and joy not only when they receive the the gift in the Christmas box but when when they receive the gift of your salvation we know that you're working around the world in ways and in places like that that maybe we'll never hear about any other way and we trust you this morning Lord as you work in our lives for your glory uh, we ask you to bless this time with your presence, Lord, your spirit. We are completely dependent on you and completely, um, completely, 100%. We, we want to be yielded to you, love you, and love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the church has gone through some changes in recent days. Uh, Pastor Neil has recently left. How many weeks has that been? Not a lot, is it? How many? Four or five since he was here last. And um, we're praying for his wife, of course, who's battling uh, cancer. And praying for her, her full recovery. And we're praying for the church that you know that God would direct the right person here. Uh, as as the, the pastor, thankful for folks like Brother Carvin that can come in and, and, and share the word. So I'm just going to turn it over to him now. Is that okay? <laughs> Thank you, Brother Carvin. Just step right on up. And Brother Ray Owens, of course. Ray uh, always is a blessing and a great message from the Lord that he brings every time. And great friends uh, uh, here in, in Cypress Street. And uh, it's, it's a, a joy to be able to share some of the good things that have happened in the last the last few just few months here in our ministry in Turkey and I wanted to open with just giving you a little bit about that uh, we, we came to the US uh, for, for, for a few months now we'll be here till the end of December and we came here because our third son Judah's getting married and we also wanted to check in on Isaiah Mr. Isaiah is in his second year of college and evaluating uh, some changes and possibilities in his life. And so we wanted to be able to, to be here for that exciting time. And, and uh, the, the wedding will be coming around pretty soon. Uh, so I won't say anything else about that because Judah doesn't want to get embarrassed. So we won't. I'll just say a few more things. No, no, it's okay, Judah. You, I won't embarrass you. But it is an exciting time. And uh, we're, we're really thankful for his, his fiance. Her name is Rachel. And we're really thankful for, for just how God works. God works. God's always working in our lives. And some people have, you know, thought, well, maybe this virus and this pandemic as it goes around the world, and it's affected us in Turkey pretty much like here. People wear masks, and they've closed restaurants. And we actually had, during May and um, 
April and May, we had some weekends where we were told we couldn't leave our house. And when we uh, had to stay in the house for three or four days at a time, we, we even were told, the, the city, the whole city was told, you can't leave your house. If you do, you can face a, a fine or a penalty. And so people were locked down in their homes, and that was a difficult time. You know, it's been that way in many, many countries around the world. It's not just our country. And, um, and yet, because of this virus, people locked in their homes, people bored, people can't go out, and go, they can't go to cafes. The Turks love to go to the cafe and socialize. This has caused so many people to have all this extra time, and with the benefit of the Internet, they can go online and interact. So during this time, we were uh, not because of the pandemic, but at at the simultaneous with this lockdown, we had some old Turkish friends that had been children, actually, or young teenagers, uh, many years ago, and done uh, we had done ministry in their family with their parents. Well, the family had had a crisis some years ago, and the husband had left the home, and the children had gone off to college, and we lost contact with them. But during this past spring, they reestablished contact and were spiritually interested and curious. So we began to talk about the Lord, and they were just like picking ripe fruit, and so they received Christ, and the boyfriend of, of the young lady uh, received the Lord, and we baptized three Turks in the summer. It was so exciting to go to the Black Sea and go out into the, the, the waves. The waves are crashing in around us on the rocks, and we, we got in the waters and, and baptized these, these folks, and they came up, you know, out of the water just full of, of joy and everything. And we had, we had worship on the beach. Uh, one of my friends, another missionary co-worker, uh, brought his his pavilion tent. So we set it up and we had a worship time under the pavilion. It was kind of like an old-fashioned camp meeting right there on the beach with these three new Turkish believers. Of course, you can't. Uh, you, you can hardly imagine how, how thrilled we were to be part of that. And Turkey is a Muslim country, and, and it's a slow country. It's a lot of work. And yet, like this man shared here, and I think this was Mexico, after he had been praying for 28 years for this village. We've only been praying for 18 years, so we've got who, know, who knows what will happen in another 10 years. If we just keep praying, God may turn that movement of three people. And we hope, and really it looks pretty certain, that this couple, the, the girl and her boyfriend that's been baptized, that they'll probably be engaged. They're not formally engaged yet, but uh, this will be our first Christian wedding of Muslim background. They were Muslims, but now Christians. This will be our first uh, Christian wedding of Turkish folks. Uh, and so, you, you know, this is exciting new developments. It's wonderful to be part of that. And then another part of our ministry has been this book I wrote called A, a Christian Reads the Quran. It's been translated into Chinese and Russian, Turkish and Indonesian and Arabic, maybe other languages, hopefully in the near future. This, because of uh, the internet and social media, it's, it's going out through uh, these different channels to reach a lot of people. And he mentioned, I noticed too on this, uh, I'll steal from this video because I didn't bring any videos, but I'll steal from the video. He used an example on this video of how the radio program reaches people in places hard to get to. It's hard to get up in the mountains. You remember he said, it, well, there's a lot of places. In fact, that looked a lot like places we've been to. And 
in Turkey and uh, Greece, up in the mountains, hard to get to people, but, but using the internet now, probably more than radio, using the internet, we can get materials like this book and start a conversation with people. And uh, we've really, through at Facebook ads, we've reached, I, I think, you know, I haven't calculated, I'm not like my dad, I'm not an accountant, I don't keep up. You know, my father was great with numbers, and if it was $33.29, uh, it would be $33.20. To me, it's like uh, somewhere around 60 bucks. <laughs> not even not that close. But I think we're close to 2 million people have been, uh, have been in contact with our ministry somehow through social media. 2 million Turkish people. That's just Turks. And then there's many other people. And out of those people, some have responded. And, and actually, I just got a message like this week that a one of the guys on the team that follows up, they go in and they meet with people personally when they can. Of course, the pandemic has limited that, but when they can, they try to set up an appointment to go and meet with somebody. They, uh, they just, I just got a note this week, they're, they're having a Bible study. And another guy got saved and baptized and, and is a member of a church. And he was first contacted through this, this online ministry that we're operating. So this has been an amazing new, an amazing new branch of how to reach people. And then the, the Lord gave me a vision to, to take the book because of the way it's being used overseas. I said, well, let's maybe do this in the, the United States. So I went to some friends and I've been praying and talking with people. And uh, I found out that there are 3,500 Muslim Islamic mosques in America. There's one or two here in Monroe, West Monroe, there's a mosque, an uh, Islamic mosque in Ruston. There's three or four or five in Shreveport. There's several in Dallas and Houston. They're all over the United States. There, there's about 3,500 in America. Well, we have political freedom here to be able to send these books out and make a contact with these mosques. So I've been talking with some friends. I said, I'll, I'll raise the money and, and I'll provide the books if you guys provide the follow-up. So anyone that says from a mosque, why are you doing this? Or this is really amazing. You read my book, A Christian Reads the Quran. You read the Quran. Could we meet? And, and so we're trying to just use this as another way to open up channels of communication. If anyone knows the history of the Red River, uh, does anyone know the history of the Red River? It used to not be navigable. It was the Red River from Natchitoches to Shreveport was so clogged up with dead trees. It was called the Great Raft. That's what they called it. The Great, it had a real name. The, look it up later if you're curious. The Great Raft. And you could walk on the Red River. Not like Jesus on the waters, right? But you could walk on the Red River on the Great Raft from Shreveport to Natchitoches. It was a, approximately 120 miles of dead debris. There's photographs of it. I looked it up. It was amazing. I drove through Shreveport and met, had a meeting there this week. And I, I like history, so I looked up the history of the Red River. And then, of course, Captain Shreve, that's why it's called Shreveport, invented a steamboat with two huge uh, steel or iron, uh, like uh, icebreakers. They were really, uh, they were really, wood breakers and he plowed his way through this this raft 120 miles long of dead debris and then in the middle of the two iron projections was a huge crane operated by 
the steam engine. And then there was a saw operated by the steam engine. So these crews of men on these steamboats would slowly, slowly, slowly lift these huge tons and tons of dead debris out of the Red River, cut it up, and then either burn it on the ship to power the steam engine or toss it into the river. And that's how the, the Red River became navigable from Natchitoches to, to Shreveport. Otherwise, it was impossible. And I like to tell people, this book, A Christian Reads the Quran, well, now I've got a new picture, a new hero, I guess. It's Captain Shreve because this is how I look at it. We're, we're clearing the, the riverway so that people can have good communication so that Muslims who have all of these wrong ideas about what Christians believe, they think we worship three gods. We don't worship three gods. Here, Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, Adonai Elohim. We believe in one God, and that one God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is one. We believe in one God. We don't believe in three gods. That's a giant pile of debris in their thinking, and we want to pick that up, clear it out, and make a way so that they understand the gospel. So that's my new hero is Captain Shreve. And that's a picture of why we want to go to the mosque with a book like this. And, and I, you know, I've told people, I don't care if it's my book or someone else's book, but we've got to keep advancing the, the kingdom of God. So our, our ministry's been like this for many years. We really haven't shifted that much. Another aspect, too, that's been really amazing I know many of you women will appreciate this. I'm just curious, how many ladies here quilt? I'm just curious. Quilters? Anybody? You've got uh, Donna Quilts. Uh, and my wife's really become quite a, uh, an expert at quilting. Um, and in Turkey, because of the culture of the Turkish people, there are, there are people who really emphasize fabrics and sewing and crafting. And when the word got out in our Turkish neighborhood, and then among Arab refugees, that my wife is a, so, a seamstress and, and also a quilter and, and can make these things, boy, they, they just think that's amazing. They also think it's amazing she passes out free quilts. So that, that's, that also helps a lot, too. And they just line up and come asking, you know, can you make a quilt for my, who, what was the latest, though? Was it Sebahad's granddaughter, a grandchild? One of our neighbors had a baby, and... And so she got a nice quilt out of that. <clears throat> so that on a, on a personal level, this has really been an interesting, uh, an interesting way to, to, to build trust and to build relationships. And just also briefly to mention, there have been 4 million Arabs that have left the country of Syria and come into Turkey. And these 4 million Arabs are, are also Muslim. They're, they're, well, I say Arabs. Let me back up. There are 4 million Muslim refugees that have come out of Syria. Some of them are what's called Kurdish people, and some of them are Arabs. It's different ethnic groups. They have different language, though they also have common language, which is Arabic. And uh, we've, we've tried to work with them. They've been a bit, a bit tough, but we're, we're praying for a church, for churches, for conversions among these refugees, particularly the Arabs. Some of the Kurdish people are, are more open and receptive to the gospel. And, and I met a, a Kurdish pastor. Uh, he had been raised in a Muslim and, and came to the Lord. And then he's got a, a, a church in Istanbul. Actually, I think two or three churches that he oversees. So we've, we've done some, some little bit of work together and had fellowship. 
but there's still a big, big need for these millions of Arabs and Kurdish people coming out of Syria to hear the gospel. And, and it's the, the, the human need is just unbelievable. In some of the areas, there's, there's camps. There was a camp on a Greek island called Lesbos, and uh, the, Greek, the, the, the camp burned recently, I think in September, and then, and then they set up a, a, another camp because they, the, the first disaster relief camp had burned, and so they set up a second disaster relief camp, and then flooding hit it. So it's a tremendous humanitarian need. There are Christian groups in there working with these people. Uh, but that's an ongoing prayer and an ongoing um, um, need that needs these people need the word of the Lord. They need, uh, they need just basic human help. So those are just a few thoughts uh, about that. And uh, I would like to share uh, briefly a message I just would like to call Times, Seasons, and Selection. Uh, before we get into that, also just to mention, I, I did bring a few books. If, if you'd like a book, take a book. I, I've written some other books about our, our work and a couple of devotional books. And I, I brought a few. They're in the back. I, I'm not asking for any, any money for those. They're just uh, in the back. And, and I would love for you to, if you enjoy reading, and these days don't we all have extra time to read uh, since we can't get out as much. Uh, that is just a good way to get a little better picture of, of what's going on with our work. To open this Times, Seasons, and Selection, I would like to read from the first chapter of um, Charles Dickens' book, A Tale of Two Cities. You'll know this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was far like the present period. When we look at what's happening in the world today and we think about um, times, there are different times in history. And in times there are different seasons. These can be for us personally, they can be for us as a local church, or they can be for a society, or they can be for the whole planet. Times and seasons. By the way, I'm noticing there's a camera looking at me. It, does that mean I can't move from this position? I can move where I want to move? I get the thumbs up. Is that the Phil Robertson thumbs up? Kind of the Duck Dynasty thumbs up there. I get the thumbs up. Thank you. Uh, because I'll probably not want to just stand in one spot. Otherwise, I'll fall asleep. Is that okay? I'm, gonna, I'm okay to move around. Good. Thank you. So, uh, Pat called me a rascal. I don't know if that was nice or not. I'm going to have to think about that. I, I'm afraid there's some things, some rough edges are hard to, to knock off. I, 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 I see that in life, and I won't talk about that with my own sons. We're not going to talk. We're not going to go that way today. But raising five boys is a lot of work, I tell you that. And I tell you, that's, that's a lot of work. And, uh, and, and I tell you, I got a lot of help from Granny 
she, she gave me good advice. I don't know what I'd have done without Granny's advice, raising those five boys. And then, and then when I just couldn't stand another minute of them, I'd just send one or two of them her way. And she'd, she'd keep an eye on them for me. And that was, that was really good. So we're, we're so thankful for that. Um, we think about times. We think about seasons. We think about, like he says here, and what was he talking about? It's the tale of two cities. This was written in the 19th century. We're going to go back in time a little bit today, just a little bit of a time travel. We're going to go back to the 19th century. We're going to go back to the 18th century. We're going to talk about particularly uh, uh, one significant personality, uh, John Wesley from the 18th century. But before we get to him, let's think about that period of time. The, 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 in, the, in, the, in, the, in the 19th century, Charles Dickens was writing about the events of the 18th century, which were the French Revolution. And some people are comparing what's happening right now in the United States to the French Revolution. Because the French Revolution was not driven by a desire for um, freedom based in uh, a concept of men and women's dig men's and women's dignity in 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 God. We are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable or inalienable rights. But the French Revolution was driven by a belief that people had uh, humanity, but Let's get the blankety-blank God out of this situation. They hated God. They hated God. In fact, I, I only recently learned that the Notre Dame, you know, the beautiful cathedral that just burned. And did anyone see it burn? We watched it almost in shock. Whether you're Catholic or not, whether you're... Uh, traditional or not, or religious or not, to see that amazing architectural edifice go up like a bonfire. It was a shock. It really was. It was a shock. And, and everyone was shocked. But you know that when the French Revolution occurred, the Jacobins, one of the branches of the French Revolution, Jacobites, I think they called themselves, or Jacobins, they... They, when they finally got rid of the, the French aristocracy and they finally uh, demoted and took the power out of the Roman Catholic Church in the French government, they turned the, the, the cathedral of Notre Dame into the temple of Sophia, the, God of wisdom, the goddess of wisdom. Did you know that? I didn't even know that until recently. The Notre, that for a period of time... Notre Dame in France, in Paris, France, one of the icons of the of the of the of the European uh, uh, Renaissance and the European Christian history, if you will, was turned into a temple for a pagan goddess, the goddess of wisdom. Well, there is no goddess of wisdom, and they didn't believe in a goddess, but what they believed in was humanity. They believed in humanity. We have one God, and our God is the one we see when we look in the mirror. That's our God. So let's put mirrors all over the place, and let's stare at ourselves like narcissists. 
because that's our God. That was the French Revolution. And that's what Charles Dickens was writing about when he said it was the age of incredulity. He said it was the age of belief and it was the age of incredulity. It was the age when we all thought we were going to heaven. It was the age when we all thought we were going the other direction, he said. And yet it was so much like our present age. He wrote that in, in eight, around 1870. And yet how amazing it is that those words are still so relevant today. It's, it's today. It's 2020. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times. It's when we thought we were all going to heaven. It's when we thought we were all going the other way. It was when we all believed. It was when we all disbelieved. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to take this for just a few minutes. And I've never done this before. I've never preached on John Wesley, about John Wesley. And I actually dug up some quotes. And you know, it's amazing with the Internet. I can sit down and in 15 minutes, I can look up and, and write a sermon with quotes about John Wesley that in the old days would have taken me 20 hours because that I had to go through all these books on the shelf. But now all I have to do is type in John Wesley, Holy Spirit, and up pops these amazing quotes. So praise God I didn't have to spend 20 hours on this sermon. <laughs> but I hope it's as good as a 20-hour sermon. John Wesley. Who knows anything about John Wesley? Do, do you know who I'm talking about? First of all, who was John Wesley? What did he start? Anyone? Throw, out, throw it out. He was the guy who started the Methodist Church. Thank you, Sherry. That was Sherry, wasn't it back there? I can't tell. You've all got masks on. You all look the same. He was the guy who really, he didn't try to start the Methodist Church, but the Church of England, he was a priest. He was a pastor in the Church of England. He probably went, I don't remember for sure, but he probably went to Oxford. He may have gone to Cambridge, but I suspect it was Oxford. Oxford was, was like the Louisiana Tech, and Cambridge was kind of like ULM. Sorry, but that's just, you know, I'm a Louisiana Tech grad, so sorry. We got some Louisiana Tech guys here, don't we? They're around somewhere. That's okay. No, we love ULM, too. My sister went there, I think. I don't know. Back in the old days, right? Okay. We won't talk about how old. Did you know John Wesley, Vicky? No, I'm sorry. That wasn't very nice. Oh, she'll thump me down. I tell you, what, I lived in mortal fear of that, that woman. She was for not very big. I thought she was 6'3 when I was growing up and around 200 pounds. I'm not kidding you. I'd get in there on the piano bench. Here come Vicky, because she wanted to play the piano, right? I'd run, hightail it out of there. She'd thump me on the head. I'd have to run the other direction. You think I'm making that up. I'm not. That is the truth. I'm not, that, not making that up. So I think, he was at, I think he was at Oxford. doesn't matter, but he was well-trained. He was highly educated, and he was a member of a group of people, and they came up with a long, long list of to-dos and to-don'ts. <laughs> is that good grammar? To-dos and to-don'ts. And don't eat spice, and don't drink this, and don't touch this, and don't touch that. He had all these things that he had worked out with his friends as what he thought was good Christianity. And now get this. Then he wanted to go to the new colonies in the Americas and, and work as a missionary. So he came to the colony of Georgia. 
And he wrote this, It is now two years and almost four months since I left my native country in order to teach the Georgian Indians the nature of Christianity. But what have I learned? But what I have learned myself, what have I learned of, of myself in the meantime? Why, what I least of all suspected, that I who went to America to convert others was never myself converted to God. This is a man who was saturated in the Bible, who was saturated in to-dos and to-don'ts, had consecrated his life to go as a missionary, he thought. So what happened to John Wesley? He went as a missionary. He left Georgia with a deep sense of failure, a deep sense of emptiness. Remember, this is happening at the same period of time that these atheists are getting ready to turn the Notre Dame into the goddess temple of Sophia, temple of the goddess Sophia. John Wesley gets on a ship, and it's the sail ship days. There are no steamships at that time, and it's an it's a arduous journey. It's dangerous. And out in the middle of the Atlantic, there's a storm, and it blows up, and he's on the ship with these Moravians. They had come from an area in Germany, Moravia. And they had a deep and abiding love for the Lord. Moravians. And so you've got this English guy. And he's on a ship with these Germans, these Moravians. And he notices during the midst of this terrible storm that's blowing and, and howling and sing, threatening to sink their ship and send them to certain death. He notices a peace and a transcendent presence of the Lord. And he's deeply impressed that they're praying and that they're peaceful during that season. He gets back to England and somehow one night he ends up at a place called Aldersgate. That's why you'll see Methodist churches, many Methodist churches to this day called Aldersgate United Methodist Church or Methodist, Wesleyan Methodist. He ends up at Aldersgate Street and he writes this. This is his words. These are his words. In the evening, I went very unwillingly, interesting, to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistles to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the hearts through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. And it was at that moment that John Wesley was selected for his time and that season as the man. And some historians have claimed that it was John Wesley's Methodist movement, that, that evangelical movement, that the Anglican church would not tolerate. They said, you may not preach any more of this kind of stuff. And yet he went out into the fields, and he went out into the hills across England, and he went thousands and thousands of miles on a horseback, preaching and preaching and preaching. And everywhere he went, there was an, a revival and an awakening. And people say that it was that 
that saved England from the same horror of the French Revolution. It was the time, it was the season, and he was the selection. And I'm here to declare to you this morning, my friends, that God is standing ready and willing to select you and me, whatever our position. Some people think, well, I have to have a diploma. I have to have a degree. I have to have a certain preparation. God can select a five-year-old to work his works. Some people think, well, I'll reach a certain age and I'll retire. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God, Brother Carvin. And you know that, don't you? There's maybe a retirement from your profession, but there's no retirement from your confession. We continue to live until the very end and we run the race until we hear those trumpets blast. And I was with my mother in the hospital. And she said, let's sing that hallelujah song. I said, Mama, I'm not sure what hallelujah song you're talking about. She said, you know that one. She was on the last few hours before she was ready to go. She hadn't retired. She hadn't given up. Whatever our age, whatever our station, it is time to receive God's selection. You say, well, we're just a tiny church. We're frail. We're elderly. We're spent. We're beaten. We're pushed down. We're forgotten. I don't care who we are or what we look like. God can raise up anyone. He took a man who had gone to Georgia and realized that all of his religiosity, all of his rules and regulations, and he had such a long list. That's why they were called the Methodists. They had a method. Unfortunately, the, met, the word Methodist is not a, a compliment, it's derogatory. We aren't saved by a method. When he came to that Aldersgate experience, he said, I finally see it's not anything I do. Listen to what else John Wesley said. He said that the Holy Spirit does not now bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Oh, that he might convince you, poor unawakened sinner, by his demonstration and power, that you are a child of the devil. Oh, that as I prophesy, there might now be a noise and a shaking, and may the bones come together, bone to bone. Then come the four winds and breathe and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Do not harden your hearts. Do not resist the Holy Spirit who even now is come to convince you of sin because you believe not on the name of the only begotten Son of God. The first point of selection is when the Holy Spirit comes and works to save us. That's when we're born again. That's when we're born again. You know, probably... I would just take, you know, look around. I know most of you have known most of you since I was a child. 
But it, it doesn't matter. John Wesley thought he was, he was a Christian. He thought he was a missionary. He thought he was serving God. And he finally realized, I don't have a clue what's going on. I'm not really born again. Hear the words of John Wesley. He says, even now, right now, if the Holy Spirit does not bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God, then please, just like the Spirit moving across, bringing dry bones together and knitting them into a living body, may the Spirit of the Lord move on this congregation to bring us together so that we're truly born again. Ask yourself, seek your heart, am I truly born again? The second idea is that we're selected with power. When the early disciples were with Jesus. And you know, you think, man, I wish I could go back somehow. I just, just see all that. Jesus takes them up on the hill and, you know, he says, this is, this is it, guys. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And there, there are many things in the Bible that puzzle me, you know. And many, many things, many things. They're very, very puzzling. And it, it puzzles me. For example, yesterday I was sitting out behind the house we're staying in in Ruston. And I heard this and I looked up and it sounded like a giant commercial airliner was about to crash into Ruston. And I looked up and it really frightened me. And all of a sudden, through the treetops, an Air Force B-52 bomber, it's one of the largest aircraft in the world, it flew over the treetops. <laughs> I just sort of trembled. And I, I thought, oh, this is it. You know what? We're... It was flying over the Louisiana Tech football game. And we happened to be staying quite close to the stadium. I thought, man, that's it. The bathrooms got really busy at the stadium when that thing flew over because that thing scared me badly. I, I, I'm puzzled, you know, I'm puzzled. And I think, where would Jesus, where would Jesus have gone? The Bible says he went up into the, to the sky and a cloud hit him. And so these guys are standing there. They're getting ready to, to watch Jesus. He's giving, them, he's giving them the last instructions. And somehow you always get the impression that the last instructions are the most important. You save the most important. Whatever, it's not like, oh, I forgot to turn the oven off. Will you go run home and turn the oven off? That's his last instructions. No, these are, these are the, that was kind of funny, and you guys are so serious. Maybe it's the mask. I don't know. It's, yeah. That was kind of funny. Got to go, oh, Peter, I forgot to put the fire out. You know, the one where we were having the fish on the sea. Uh, would you go run quick? I'll see you. I may not be here when you get back, but, in any case, no, I mean, he's got the serious stuff to say, right? And he says, he says, go back to Jerusalem and wait. For what? <laughs> and wait for the Holy Spirit. The whole, the, what? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, I told you about the Holy Spirit already, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's going to come. And when he comes, he's going to do some stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. In fact, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Oh, great, Jerusalem. We love Jerusalem. Well, not just Jerusalem. Samaria. Oh, what? Samaria? That's the wrong side of the town. 
Well, yeah, there too. Isn't that where we wanted to call down fire, you know? And Judea, well, yeah, we're from North Judea, so we can handle that. And to the uttermost parts of the world. Well, that's kind of scary. But you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power. You're not going to do this all on your own. That's an amen point right there. Do I need to put a little amen points? If you're going to say amen in this sermon, that was an amen point. We'll flash it up there. Amen. That's the way they do with the old game shows. Clap. They had guys with signs. Clap. Laugh. Had the signs. That was an amen point right there. Amen. Okay, thank you, brother. Now, brother Dale, amen. So, when the Holy Spirit is promised, see, when the Holy Spirit is promised, the Holy Spirit will come. Because God does not lie. You know what else John Wesley said? Here's another, another interesting thing. John Wesley asked, why don't we see gifts of the Spirit anymore? Remember, this is around 1760, 1780. Where are the gifts of the Spirit? Healing, miracles, gifts of, he even said, gifts of tongues and interpretations and prophecies. This is 200 years before anything was known as Pentecostals or Charismatics. This is John Wesley. He says, the real cause for no gifts and no miracles is that the love of many, almost all Christians, so-called, was waxed cold. Christians had no more of the Spirit than the Spirit of Christ than the other heathens. The Son of Man, when He came to examine His church, could hardly find faith on the earth. This was the real cause of why extraordinary gifts of the Holy Ghost were no longer to be found in the Christian church. Because the Christians were turned heathens again and had only a dead form. Wesley's saying, do we have a vacuum, a spiritual vacuum in our lives because we're no different than unbelievers? Why don't we just turn the place into the temple for the goddess Sophia? Why don't we even bother? We need the Holy Spirit. Wesley said, where does the Christianity exist? Where, I pray, do Christians live? Is this city a Christian city? Is Christianity, scriptural Christianity, found here? And then he asked this very pointed question. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? One of our favorite great aunts in our family is is uh, Aunt Florine, Aunt Fiend. She lived in, in West Carroll Parish for many years. I guess grew up there. She had a huge flaming... Uh, uh, it, was like, it was like fire. It, flaming hair, red, bright red. And in, well into her old age, she was just full of, of zeal. She and her husband had planted a... Uh, I think it was an Assemblies of God church. Is that right? They planted a little Assemblies of God out in North West Carroll Parish. Oh, I just loved her. We'd go see her. It was like being with one of the angels. It was like an angel had come around. She just was so full of the zeal and the zest and the life of the Holy Spirit. She said, Ronnie, you come over here. I just feel like just being in her presence was being with the Lord.
She was full of the Holy Spirit. And it was like the Holy Spirit just volcanic blew out of the top of her head. She was got, her whole hair was on fire. I believe, I believe it's folks like her. I doubt she ever traveled more than 20 miles from her home. In her whole life, probably. I don't know. Did she ever, would she have ever traveled much? Maybe to visit a relative in California or somewhere. I don't know. But her life was mostly in the cotton fields and the woods of West Carroll Parish. But because the Holy Spirit has no boundaries, the Holy Spirit has no limitations. There are no COVID restrictions on the Holy Spirit. There are no, there are no barriers to the Holy Spirit. There are no walls that can keep the Holy Spirit out. If we say, really accept, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Man, when the Holy Spirit selected and filled John Wesley, that man, through him, was unleashed a movement that exploded around the world. The Holy Spirit is, is just ready right now to fill us if we say yes. So I, I end with these two questions from our, our brief journey with John Wesley. Does the Holy Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are truly born again? Do you have that peaceful assurance? And if you are a believer, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? So let's bow and just take a moment and ponder those two questions. And let's Respond in prayer. I don't know the COVID restriction thing is a bit of a concern, but I'm going to put on a mask. And uh, I, I would just like to say, I haven't tested positive for COVID. I want to say that. But I would like to say that sometimes it is really important to stand up and step out. And so if you want to come down and, and, and pray with me, let's pray and ask God to to do that. Father, we thank you for the work you did through the times and the seasons and the selection of, of this exemplary, this amazing hero of the faith, John Wesley. He's gone. He's with you. He lived his life, his fire burned, and now he's passed on. But here today, right now, we're here. This is, this is our time and our season. Yeah, the world is troubled. You're not troubled. Father, I pray if there's anyone here now in the sound of my voice that needs to be born again. Maybe they've trusted like John Wesley. They've trusted their own good works. But now it's time to trust Jesus and His good works and His blood forgive. If there's anyone here that wants to be filled with the Spirit, and, and I, I share this, you know, 
The infilling of the Holy Spirit is ongoing. And so if you need a new, fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, He is ready for that. Father, we ask have your way now in Jesus' name. Amen.